0: Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is what to do when words hurt. Listeners, I want to talk a little bit with you today today about the fact that there are people out there that are going to use their words against you. There are people that are going to be angry and upset and bitter. And it just comes out sideways. Sometimes people speak their mind before they ever even think about it. But what happens when you're on the other side, you're on the receiving side, and people begin to talk with you, they talk to you, they talk at you, and they slam words up against your heart and your mind. Are you somebody that soaks that in and feels bad a long time afterwards? Well, I sure am. So I've had to really struggle with this lately and kind of regroup and reprocess and rethink about how do I deal with people and that tough subject of giving and receiving and dealing with really tough words. I'm not going to focus today on the fact that you and I should be above that, that we should be kinder and smarter and wiser and more gentle, as scripture tells us, that we should be loving and you know dealing with people like God would deal with us, forgiving. But I just want to talk about what you're doing. Are you letting those words resonate? Are you letting them rule in your heart? So here we go. This past week, I spent about 10 minutes on the phone with an owner of a business who was doing work for my nonprofit. He was short, abrupt, unkind, and for whatever reason that I don't understand, because I might have been exhausted perhaps, I just couldn't handle his mean words. When I talked to him about my order, he was very rude. And you know what I did, something that's so unlike me and something very unprofessional and unbusinesslike, I began to sob into the phone. I began to cry, and the more that I cried, The meaner that man got, almost as though he enjoyed the fact that he was in control, he was in charge, and I was hurting. The man who was listening was not moved, not affected, didn't change his stance for one moment, and instead continued to be sharp, cutting, and hurtful with his words. I hung up the phone and I prayed. I thought about what my daddy used to say. Think about the conversation, Kathleen, I could hear him telling me. The words that hurt, this is what he always said. Were they truthful? Was anything about it based on emotions? Was there a grain of truth that you know about yourself that could change? Or was this just someone being unkind for whatever was going on in their own world? Maybe they were doing it on purpose. Maybe someone was unkind to them. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they didn't feel good maybe they're just a mean person. I sat and I thought, and then I realized, yes, I could have done better on my part, but a lot of it was just the old, plain, last one. The mean people that are mean, people that enjoy being unkind, people that like slamming words against you. So what do you do when words hurt? Well, In this episode, in the next little bit that we have together, I'm going to recommend to you three things that you can do for when people come right at you with hurtful words. Scripture sets the example for us in Ephesians 4.29 for our own words. Here we go. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may be giving grace to those who hear. Okay, so that doesn't talk about sharing bad words or mean words or being unkind, does it? It really tells us the opposite. We have to bridle our tongues. We have to control our emotions and we have to think before we talk. And that's not always easy, but it's a great way to be. How do we deal with a person who shoots their mouth off and purposefully tries to hurt or create a reaction? Or better yet, that person who says stupid things to try to manipulate and control the room. You know who I mean. You've got friends like that. You've got neighbors. You've got coworkers. So here's what daddy used to tell me. And I love these tips. So I want you to really listen. Okay. Here we go. Number one stop and review. Was anything about it truthful? So I think, okay, what the man was talking to me about was I didn't get my order in in time. I didn't do it right. It's my own fault. So some of that was truthful. Yes. Here's the second one dad used to say. Number two, look at your motivation and try to discern the other persons. Were they being honest and helpful or are they being jealous, unkind, controlling, manipulative? Here's the third one. Whatever is truth and you can learn from it, soak it in. Whatever's hurtful and unkind, shake it off. Don't let it get to you. Okay, so number three is my favorite. Whatever's truth, soak it in. Whatever's not truth, shake it off. I like this quote by Dorothy Neville. The real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing at the right time, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. So every single one of us can look at somebody that we're dealing with and we can think, wow, I could be mean. I could just say what I think. I could say something unkind. We have the control. We can control ourselves. We can't control other people. But other people aren't always like that, right? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when people come at you with mean words? They shock you and you're like, oh my goodness. And you end up like me crying. Now, maybe you're a guy out there listening and you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm not going to be crying. But if you're a lady out there, if you're a woman and you're feeling emotional, you might be crying. And truth be told, I know a lot of guys who have said to me, they still feel bad about something their dad told them when they were 12 or their brother said or their girlfriend said when they were breaking up with them. So I want to share with you a little story today because I come from a long line of storytellers. Grandma Thelma was my favorite. I would sit down and listen to everything she would talk about. Here's one of the stories that I tell, and this is an excerpt from one of my books called Putting the Pieces Together, a Worship Director's Guide. Now, if you're not planning on becoming a worship director or worship leader, you probably aren't going to read this book. But the story's great enough for you as a listener to listen to, and hopefully, Lord willing, you're going to learn from it. Here it goes. I was looking out today at the fall leaves. The rain was coming down in straight pellets and hitting hard against my back porch. In some places, it seemed to pound hard, beating the remaining leaves off my geranium plant. It reminded me of what happens when people use their words to hurt you. At times, you'll feel like the words are pelting against your heart and spirit, like the rain that was coming down outside my window. But take heart. You're not alone. I'm often reminded of God's word to us. No man can thwart his plans. That means simply that no man can stop what God has in motion for our lives— This is the key to remember. You cannot be harmed by other people's words unless you open the door to your soul and let them in. I'm going to say that again for you. You cannot be harmed by other people's words unless you open the door to your soul and let them in. I was staring out the window and remembered that it had been about nine years ago on a fall day, just like that day, when some words came at me to try to hurt me. Sometimes I hear them. Sometimes they replay in my mind. But I close that door and say, nope, I'm not going to go here. Let me tell you what happened. He was a very short man. Not that there's anything wrong with a difference in height, but it was significant to me, to who he was, as well as his stature. I'll call him Bob. The thing I remember the most was his dark, penetrating eyes staring at me. I was behind the piano, my fingers pressing down on familiar chords, leading some people in song. Bob's friends were standing near me and listening, while several of the new vocalists, singing the words to a well-known chorus, stood next to the band. The band members peered over the piano and studied me, watching Bob, to see what Bob had to say. Bob laid smack dab on the floor next to the piano. He had an ear glued to the music resonating from its structure, listening as I played. I was puzzled at Bob's ridiculous attempt for attention. After all, all of us were standing around the piano singing. As we closed the song, I pondered whether or not to even ask him what in the world he was doing. I decided to ask. Bob stood up, turned his back to me, ignoring me, and looked at his fellow band members. I had done something that to him was irrevocable. I had taken the place of his best friend, the previous part-time volunteer worship director. Now I was going to be hired as his worship director full-time. Bob had made my attempts to acquire the position almost impossible. He had done everything he could to call the pastor, call church members, try to convince people to not vote for me. Now Bob was in front of me. Except for the fact that God's plan was going to thwart his plans, Bob seemed to be winning. Here's what God says, For the Lord Almighty is purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Isaiah 14:27 said, Bob wasn't really thinking about God. Bob was thinking about Bob and his friend, who no longer had the job. Bob burst into a loud exclamation as the words rolled off of his tongue. His back to the vocalist and me, he exclaimed to the bass player, the drummer, and the guitarist, Yeah, she's just an average piano player. Maybe not even that good. He began to chuckle. This was not about anything good for the team or for the church. This was not about anything good, period. It was about Bob's inability to let go of the fact that his friend wouldn't be the full-time worship director and that Bob would not get Bob's way. It was about control. Bob's words were shot out at me as to try to hurt and control. Now I'm going to remind you, listeners, of something that my mom taught us when we were really little, and I'm telling you, As old as I am today, it's constantly proven to be truth. People tend to operate out of two things, jealousy and control. That was Bob's problem. As a child growing up, I learned it. As an adult, I still see it. Bob was trying to assert both of these, jealousy and control. I was not willing to let him operate with them and in that moment when I ignored his words about me, shrugged them off and continued on as though he was not there, he tried to snub me. He corralled the band to think I was a non-musician. I mentally forced the tools back in his belt, shut the door on any attention towards him and continued to regain my momentum and excite the new team about the new songs we'd be learning and the new job I was taking. Now, Let's insert our steps that I just talked to you about. The ones that are one, two, and three. Here we go. Bob said unkind words to me in front of 16 other people. Has this happened to you? Where you've been someplace and somebody's trying to embarrass you? Mean words in front of others? I was attempting to get a job. I was attempting to start this job. And he said, she's your average piano player. Not even that good. So here's the first one. Stop and review. Was anything about it truthful? Sure, I was an average piano player. I wasn't applying for a job as Lori Line. I wasn't applying for a job as some fabulous concert pianist. I was applying for a job to be a worship director. Do you know what that means? That means you lead your congregation in music, you direct a team, you plan services, you work with a staff, you direct a drama team, you write dramas, you write music, and many other pieces in the position truth I was average I was just starting out it was my first real job but the step that said maybe not even good he kind of went a little further and that hurt guess what I knew my own skill set and yes I was okay not fabulous but I was as good as anybody else that I'd seen I was just starting those were untruthful words but the part about maybe not being that great well I had to think about that. Let's keep going. After I looked at what was truth and untruth, I ushered in step number two. Look at your motivation and try to discern the other persons. Were they being honest and helpful? Or are they jealous, controlling, or purposefully unkind? Well, as you can tell in the story, Bob was trying to create trouble. He didn't want to have anyone have the job if his friend couldn't have it. He was jealous for her position. He was controlling and wanting what Bob wanted. I discerned bad motives. So let's continue with what happened next. Bob was not able to use his negative, manipulative words to harm me because, as I told you, I wasn't going to let the door of my heart open. He elicited no response as he attempted over the next six months to humiliate me, berate me, and discourage me with his words. Bob's closest friends in the band quit. The week after I started... They couldn't change my mind that they didn't have to practice. Apparently, they thought that good bands never got together and never looked at their music. Bob finally left and changed churches, and eventually the three musicians that had quit came back and begged me for their jobs back, promising that they would be happy to meet for rehearsal. Bob never succeeded in what he started He really, really wanted to hurt me enough to make me quit. Now think about this in your own life. Have you had somebody with discouraging words who said, I don't believe in you, or they've made fun of who you are, how you look, what you do, what you think, where you go, who you've been, who you're going to be? I know I have many times over. And that's why I want to help you today because I think I've learned something about it. Here's step three. Whatever is truth, And you can learn from it. Soak it in. Whatever is hurtful and unkind, shake it off. Don't let it get to you. It's not that easy, though, is it? I would not be human if I told you that the words that Bob threw at me didn't sting. I would not be real if I tried to tell you that after all of these years, I still see Bob's face. I still see Bob mocking me by laying down on the floor next to that old upright piano, listening, popping up and saying to people, she's just not that great. I try to forget about it, but the words hurt. I can still hear them. I can still talk about them. But here's what happened to me. I had to deal with them or they were going to change me and I wasn't going to let Bob's words have power. The words didn't define who I was to God. So listener, that's what I want you to remember. If you think about scripture, scripture tells us that God knew us while we were in the womb. Isn't that great? He knew us before we ever existed here on earth. He created you to be exactly who you are, to have the gifts you have, the talents you have, the DNA. He gave you your mom and dad. He gave you your siblings, your grandparents. He gave you a purpose. He gave you talents. He gave you gifts. And you know what's great about God? He believes in you because he made you. Think about it with your own child. If you have a child, you and your spouse created that child, and you believe in that child because it's part of you. You've created that child, right? Well, that's how god looks at us so he's not going to be the one telling you that you aren't that great god isn't going to be the one saying you're not that beautiful you're not that gifted you don't have any talent you're stupid that's not how god is god's totally the opposite god believes in you god favors you scripture tells us that abraham said god was his friend god is a friend to you and i through his son jesus So here's what's great about that. The only thing that can define us is God. And you know what scripture tells us? For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God's given us his son who died on the cross for us so that we can live eternally. So what's the story? I just want to encourage you today. Here's the truth. Here's the bottom line god loves you and believes in you you're not defined by other people's words if you and i were defined by what other people thought we would be like a breeze that's blowing a door shut and open all the time because some people are going to love us and think we're great and some people like bob are going to think we're just not that great at all so what happened i did what my dad told me i looked at what was truth and i took those pieces And I set them out before me on my desk and I said, hey, I guess Bob is right. I'm just an average piano player. And that's not the most important part of my job, but it is a key part. So you know what I did? I searched the internet, found a fabulous 27-year-old piano teacher and said, here I am. She was $20 an hour. It wasn't anything I could afford, but I did it. For three months, I took lessons from her. I brought every single song that we were going to do with the band. And she taught me exactly how today's musician was going to play that music. And I got better. And I never, ever thought again about what Bob said, because you know what happened? I built my confidence. So thank you to Bob for his mean words, because I found out that I could use what Bob said to make myself better. Now, the Bob story is just one situation, and I could go on and tell you about others. But right now, we're going to take a little break and we're going to listen to this song. It's a song by a group called Out of the Gray. Husband and wife, Christine and Scott Dente. I keep trying to get them on my show. Hopefully, someday they will agree. But I want you to listen to the words because here's what it's about. The fact that God gives us three wonderful gifts grace, mercy, and peace. He gives us grace. So that means that if we aren't that great of a piano player or not that super at teaching or speaking or not the best mom or the most fabulous nurse, it doesn't matter to God because he gives us grace, mercy. That means that when God loves us richly and deeply, he accepts us for who we are. And peace. That means that when people are talking smack about you, they're being mean, they're being kind. Well, you can have peace because you can leave it with God. Let's listen to this great song.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace. I wish for you these three that you may know they can be. From God our Father and Jesus our Lord Grace, mercy, and peace What more could we ever need Oh, but to know this gift of life Found only in Jesus Christ
0: Thank you so much, Christine and Scott Dante. Wow, it's a fabulous song. And doesn't she have an incredible voice? It's like one of my favorites in life. So we were talking about Bob and the whole situation with Bob's mean words. And there's two things that I want you to take away from this show today. One is not just how to deal with the mean words that come at you, but the other side of the mean words is this. I believe that we can be empowered and motivated Like propelled is my favorite word, propelled into a better place to become our best when we have mean words. So you're going to think about the fact that God loves you and accepts you. You're going to think about your mom and dad. Hopefully they're encouragers, your siblings, your family, your friends. They're going to be encouragers. You don't really like to have those kind of people in your world that are saying mean and unkind things to you, right? They're not the ones that, you know, we want to pick up the phone and have a chat with play a game of golf with or meet for lunch. Those are the kind of friends we want. We don't want people that are going to be talking to us and saying mean words. But here's what I want you to know. The mean words are inevitable. Those people in life are the people that are going to be here and there. They're going to show up. They're going to say their spiel and you're going to be left. And you can either be crumbled in a little pile in the corner or you can get up and say, nope, your words are not going to affect me. The only time those words should affect you is if there is a grain of truth. Remember what my dad said, a grain of truth. We look at it. Why is it being said to you? Is it being said because it's, you know, something you need to hear? Is it being said to be mean? So I looked at Bob's words. And as I told you, I propelled that to become a better musician. So Bob, if you're out there listening, which I'm pretty much certain you're not, thank you. I'm just going to bless you today because it ended up being a good thing for me. I really worked on being a good musician and I learned how to play with a band, which I didn't know before. So the Bob story is one way. I can also tell you about main people that talked to me and said, you know, all you ever do is talk in a radio voice. Well, that was truth, wasn't it? Because here I am talking to you on the radio with my voice. Or I could talk to you about the day that someone came in my office and said, I don't like how you pray. Those were the kind of things that weren't truth. I had to just say, well, that's your opinion. Thanks. But I pray the way I pray, period. There are times when they're stupid words. They need to be just swept out of your mind and heart. There are times when the mean words are truth and you need to take them and utilize them. The words have stung in my heart and mind. Sometimes I call a friend and say, you know, what do you think? And if a friend is a truthful good friend, they're going to cheerlead you on, help you get over it, help you get past the pain. But friend, I want to encourage you today, don't hold on to words. Don't hold on to words. When they're hurtful, get rid of them. People like to give You, their opinions. They like to say what they think. We no longer, as a society, control. We just don't seem to have a filter on what we say or how we respond to people. Have you seen this? I notice it myself more and more. I don't want to be like that. I want to encourage you today don't be like that. Think about what's being said. Think about what you're saying. I recently had a friend who called me to just give me a I don't know, a big download of somebody who had said horrible things to her. She was just crying and crying. And I comforted her and told her, let's look at the three ways to look at it. Remember what they are. First, review. Is anything truthful? Think about it. Secondly, look at the motivations. Was it their motivation to hurt? And thirdly, if it's anything great, soak it in. If it's anything bad, shake it off. Maybe you're never going to be the best piano player. Maybe you're going to be somebody that's just who you are and you're average at your job. Maybe what they're saying about you is a little bit truthful, or maybe it's not truthful at all. But I'm here to remind you, we need to remember that we're loved and accepted fully for who we are, where we're at in this journey. You don't have to be perfect. And the people who are criticizing and the people who are making fun and the people who have bad words, oh, just let them go. Bless them and pray for them. And don't let them take up residence in your mind and heart because the words you hear have power, but it's your choice with what you do with them. And that's the ultimate power. Here's what scripture says in Philippians 4:8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't let yourself get stuck on words that were meant to hurt you. Shake them off. Focus on God's love and acceptance, and by all means, embrace God's gift of grace, mercy, and peace. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, help me to let go of mean words that hurt me. Help me to look at the critic's voice and see if anything is worthy of my time. Help me to be forgiving and release the mean words to you. And above all, help me not to be someone who's hurling unkind words with a motive of jealousy and control towards others. Help me to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, 2 John 1-3 is for you today. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. And if you want to use your words for good, log on to iTunes and give us a great review. We would love to hear from you. Blessings to you. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.